welcome and thanks for listening. I'm Stacey Randall-Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia-Reed. Together, we will examine essential questions so you can cultivate a deeper connection to your true identity and help others do the same. This is personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world. Welcome to Personal Power for the Common Good, the podcast where we explore the bonuses and barriers that come with each stage of human development. We find ways to sidestep those barriers on the way to authenticity and learn how to help others do the same. By doing so, you can help to change the world for the better, one person, one encounter at a time. This episode is dedicated to Henrietta Lacks, an African American woman whose cancer cells became the first immortal cells ever grown in the laboratory. Her cells helped to develop medication for many diseases. Unfortunately, they were taken without her consent after her death in 1951. I'm Stacey Randall Shaheen, an adult educator and human rights advocate. I'm here with my good friend, colleague and coach, Diane Amelia Reed. Hi, I'm Diane Amelia Reed, a college and career advisor, social justice advocate, and personal transformation coach. Stacy and I are just delighted to have you with us for this episode nine of Personal Power for the Common Good. Thanks for joining us. We are glad you're here. Personal Power for the Common Good is a podcast for you at every stage of life and for the people whose lives you touch. And together, we will find ways to reclaim and fortify our authenticity and our sense of agency. And we learn ways to help others do the same. This episode is brought to you by Shine, the Mindset Mastery Workshop series that helps you become the you that you are meant to be. In this 12-episode series, we focus through the lens of eight key developmental stages a framework created by social psychologist Eric Erickson. These stages start with infancy and they progress through our final days. If you'd like to learn about the stages of pre-birth to early adulthood, you'll find our previous episodes at our website, personalpowercommongood.com. Now, in the last episode, we completed the later years of the identity versus role confusion stage through the lens of our 16 to 19-year-old selves. In this episode, we begin the early journey of stage six, intimacy versus isolation, and we'll be focusing on 20 to 24-year-olds. As a reminder, throughout the series, we've identified the importance of self-love, intentional emotional investment in others, self-awareness, and nurturing human connection. All of these are integral parts of the Personal Power Foundation. And with these, you can help others develop their own power within, and your positive impact on the world is magnified. And you benefit, everyone benefits from an interdependent network of support. This is true at any age. Well, rethinking or reclaiming your personal power can also be confusing, challenging, and it can be super tender work. So in each episode, we feature a self-awareness activity to guide you and a self-care tip to foster self-love. Again, visit the website for ideas shared for both self-care and self-awareness on our previous episodes. 
because we also want to help you help others, each episode also includes ways that you can be a catalyst for personal power in your circle of influence. And for last week's 16 to 19 year olds, one idea is to accept the fact that they are sexual beings, whether they choose to have sex or not. You have to talk to them about the physical, mental, and emotional aspects of sex, birth control, STDs, etc. It's not an option. It's a must. Answer their questions, honestly. And remember that, I don't know, let me find out for you, is a perfectly good reply. Give yourself some time. Yeah, and that vulnerability will also foster connection with that person. You're being real. And the reality of blossoming adulthood and its responsibilities can hit hard for 20 to 24-year-olds, particularly those without equitable access to education, to housing, and to a living wage employment in the United States and around the world. The global COVID pandemic of 2020 to 2022 exacerbated mental health challenges and are leaving many young people feeling afraid and alone. In recent political and social divisions have wreaked havoc in our democracy and young people's faith in their governments. Social media and other sources have bred misinformation, hatred, mistrust. How do you successfully develop intimacy when isolation is the norm or a governmental mandate? Those types of societal toxins are primary reasons why we created this podcast, actually. It is so, so important to be aware, intentionally grateful and optimistic to keep yourself sane and on track. Things are, they're never perfect. That's life. But in some ways, we've hit a solid low point in our human evolution. And during the early years of this developmental age, beginning in the 20s, some young adults are finishing college, some have worked since high school, and others are still finding their way on millions of fronts. You know, some are parents, some are working multiple jobs to pay rent, caring for their own parents or other loved ones. Lots going on. And the unique stresses of life in the 21st century that we touched upon in the last two episodes certainly don't get any easier for this age group and can definitely derail a safe passage through young adulthood. That is so true. Now, in each episode, we explore two essential questions to deepen thought and reflection. As educators, we offer these essential questions sort of as a a learning guide, something specific to achieve or to understand during our time together. In this episode, our two essential questions are these. First, what unique challenges did you face at this age and what helped you make your way through? Okay, that's really two questions, but we're calling it question one. And the other is how have social, political, or economic factors in the 21st century hindered or protected the healthy development of young adults from 20 to 24 years old? For me, the the ages of 20 to 24 were somewhat rudderless, I would say. I just kind of did what I was supposed to do. College, work part-time while getting my education, and definitely have some fun. I'm glad there was no social media then. It, It was a particularly political time on campus in the early 1980s. We protested the college's investment in South Africa, which practiced racial apartheid at the time. We protested the United States government's interference in Central America. And in today's terms, I got, quote, woke in college to some of the local, national, and international injustices in the world. 
And that wokeness shaped my life forever, as I've been working for social, economic, and individual justice ever since. My college years were a mixed bag. You know, during high school, I was much more self-expressive than I was in college. And as a result, I had a layer of what I now know was depression. I too felt like I was going through the motions and to a certain extent felt like I was role-playing adulthood. I had a lot of great times, but I also felt detached from my essence. And that was hard. Yeah. And the experience of the less than other during high school that I shared in the last episode was, was difficult to shake in my 20s. And although I continued to excel academically, despite a full course load and several part-time jobs, my sense of self was still a bit broken or definitely undeveloped. Bad choices in men, questionable decisions that jeopardized my safety, things that I would never consider doing now. Too much trust in those who had not earned it paid the price. And as I fell through much of my childhood, I was on my own. A couple of deep friendships got me through. And after college, I followed my then boyfriend to Terre Haute, Indiana, of all places, where he planned to finish his degree. Talk about a culture shock for this Boston girl. Yikes. For me, college was the first time I acted on that feeling of getting sweaty palms and butterflies in my stomach that were the manifestation of having like a mad crush on a woman. I fell in love hard and oh man, I crashed even harder when we broke up. At that time, being disconnected from my authenticity made the recovery from that so much harder. I felt even more rudderless, didn't feel like I could talk to my parents about it. And this experience brought to the fore my deep-seated belief that I was unlovable. Ooh, I know that unlovable feeling for sure. And that must have been so hard, I mean, having those feelings as a woman to woman and not being able to talk to your parents. It's just, wow, that's tough. Yeah. But to be honest, I didn't talk to them about relationships with boys either. So, Uh, uh um, you know, didn't go there, just didn't go there. (laughs) And, and that, you know, that's just how that was in our family. But regardless of the gender of the relationship, I was unsupported. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Our generation of parents weren't exactly askable. They were not as asking we about In a lot of ways, mine were, but that was not one of them. <laughs> to no surprise to anyone that knows me at all, I didn't last long in Terre Haute, Indiana. I didn't have a strong inner voice at the time or much of a reference point. So I ignored all the obvious signs that my boyfriend was an alcoholic. I was still very much stuck in the female gender box that told me being in an unhealthy relationship was better than being alone. And when he punched me in the face, I knew it was time to leave. I don't know what I would have done if my mother hadn't allowed me to move back home for several months before I found a job. And thankfully, part of my interconnected network, my eldest sister, Mary, facilitated the transition and convinced me that my mom would accept me because I didn't think she would. I wasn't too sure. Well, after college, I moved to Boston. And again, I felt like I was playing grown up. I had a job, I wore suits, I went to meetings, I lived on my own, I bought groceries, paid my bills, you know, I did all the things. But inside, I still felt like I was rudderless and role-playing. Yeah, can you imagine how our experience of rudderlessness is felt by young adults in this age range today? You know, they're surrounded by exorbitant housing and rental costs. They can't leave home. Their college debt cripples them for years, decades. And this is the first generation in the U.S. that will not be better off than their parents. 
very scary economic factors, creates fear, hopelessness, and self-induced isolation. How many people in this age group would rather participate in the virtual world rather than the real one? Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning that if you and your family aren't deeply resourced, the sting of these factors is even sharper. And our culture does an outstanding job promoting disconnection from each other and ourselves. So we must be intentional and deliberate about countering forces that urge us to stand alone, isolate, lose faith. And as one wise woman once shared, the only real security is other people. Gratefully, thankfully, we learn and we can evolve. Human development is a lifelong process of change and adaptation with the ability to improve our circumstances, um, both internal and external, with awareness, with training, and with practice. Whatever the circumstances of your personal life history, you can examine the past and move on to a different kind of future by looking within and committing to positive change. Remember, your wounds may not be your fault, but your healing is 100% your responsibility. And it is totally possible. And you don't have to do it alone. One incident that happened to me during college that really left a mark is I worked at an ice cream store, one of my many jobs. And after a few months, the owner asked me to basically engage in phone sex with his friends, which another female employee was already doing. And I was flabbergasted and astounded. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and he ended up firing me. And I didn't do anything about it. You know, I just think about my young self there and not having any sense of that I had been wronged, that I had rights you know, that that was not okay. So it's definitely an age when you're struggling, struggling to find your voice for sure in your power. Yeah. And, you know, now that you mentioned that I got fired from my first job because I wouldn't have sex with my boss and I was 17, I think. Yeah. In a shoe store. And yeah. And like, I mean, I had no, I had no idea that I could, I think the opportunity for recourse was different then. Yes. But I, I certainly didn't, it, it never crossed my mind that I could do anything about it. Not even an option, just get away from the creep. And, you know, thank God I was fired so that I didn't find myself in a vulnerable situation in the back room of the store, you know? So anyway, yeah. Wow. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of astounding, actually, Diana Millie, that we have that in common and we never yeah, knew that. Yeah. And like, how common is that for young women well, now and in the past, you know? I... I'm afraid it's still abounds. Know it to be. It, mm -hmm. It's still happening, and there is work to be done. As women, we, as I said before, we can look back. We can choose to change. We can choose to stand in our authenticity and our power, and enforce our boundaries comfortably and confidently and safely. And these are things we are learning to do. So, with all that in mind. Let's revisit this episode's two essential questions, which were what unique challenges did you face at this age and what helped you make your way through? And how have social, political, or economic factors in the 21st century hindered or protected the healthy development of young adults from 20 to 24 years old? And as you reflect on these essential questions, we want you to know this. First, Forgiving yourself and others for past transgressions or mistakes is a vital step 
on the path to self-love and to reclaiming personal power. Considering movements like Me Too or Black Lives Matter, systemic oppression has contributed to the largest global income disparity in human history in our democracy's creed of equal opportunity for all, as we've seen, is a work in progress and not a definite, not a guarantee. You are free to let go of shame about, quote unquote, not making it. Focus on you and you will find the way. Yeah, there is no shame in still living at home at this age and saving money when the housing costs are literally obscene. It's not your fault. You know, you can still move forward. To deepen your understanding and self-awareness, remember yourself as a young adult between the ages of 20 to 24. And although all of your experiences have contributed to your current awesomeness in this moment, if you could go back in time and change just one thing, what would it be? And why would it make a difference? How would your life be different now? And how might the world be different now? Check out the Time Traveler Worksheet at our website personalpowercommongood.com for a simple graphic to get Mm, you started. I I love the thought of that exercise. Time travel is intriguing. And hey, a little self-care, quick power boost. Try this. Check your posture. Posture. Yeah, you just, the word posture and everybody shifts, right? So you want your shoulders back and don't do it rigidly. Just imagine your shoulder blades are just slipping down into your back pockets. This will rise your chest, it will open your breathing, and then put some fire in your eyes. If you're able, stand, place your feet hip distance apart, put your hands on your hips, I think they call that arms akimbo, and breathe into that posture. That is a power posture. And then with sparks or rainbows or whatever feels powerful and positive to you, shooting out of your eyes. All right. Can you picture this? You are standing firmly, hands on your hips, sparks and rainbows shooting out of your eyes. Do that for a full minute. And you know what? Right now, hit pause and just go do it. Then post how you feel. We'd love to know. Put it on our website. You know, it's amazing when you just started, I was putting my shoulder blades slipping into my back pockets. It just felt so good. You know, it's just so simple. And you can do it anytime. Instapower. Nice. I like that. Each episode, we, we share ways you can also pay it forward to become a positive catalyst for a happier, interconnected, and more loving world, one person at a time. Today's suggestions on how to be a positive influencer or personal power for young adults are these. One, offer advice and support when asked, but do not do for them what they can do for themselves. Listen, listen, listen and guide from the side. Another is this. If you notice significant changes in a young adult in your life, please don't hesitate to voice your concern as an ally and a friend. Be there by just being there. And if you can't afford it, pay off their college debt and set up your own repayment plan so they can move out of your house. And introduce them to volunteerism. Helping others is one of the most effective paths to happiness, optimism, and to resilience. And just as a PS, I learned an interesting study on perceptions of time and people who do volunteer work, even when they're crazy busy, feel like they have more time because their mind knows if they have enough time to give some away volunteering, then they must have plenty of time. That's awesome. 
Very powerful. Well, if you take a step toward the common good, if you have a eureka moment in your self-care or in your role as a positive influencer, please tell us about it. Drop us a note at personalpowercommongood.com. We love hearing from you. Your thoughts matter. Your words matter. You matter. As part of every episode, we share words of wisdom from someone who inspires us. In this episode honors Henrietta Lacks, whose cells were sold without her consent by Johns Hopkins University. Like so many women and people of color, her contribution to medical science was not honored or recognized. As Henrietta cannot speak for herself, here are some words from one of her daughters, Deborah, who fought for justice for her mom and family by distributing newsletters to people around the country. And she said, I just want y'all to read what's on this paper and tell everybody, bring it around. We want everybody in the world to know about my mother. If you'd like to learn more about Henrietta's story, the nonfiction book, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lack by Rebecca Skloot is a must read. Well, that's a wrap on this ninth episode of Personal Power for the Common Good. And we have some exciting news about our next episode. (laughs) We are breaking with the linear progression through life's developmental stages and jumping way ahead in the chronology because we got a unique and wonderful opportunity to hear about the importance of having an interdependent network of support from two super badass women, 84-year-old Nancy Schwoyer and 94-year-old Rosemary Houghton. They are two of our most special and beloved mentors and friends, and they will be reflecting and enlightening us on aging with grace and with power. Go to check it out. Listen with an older person in your life. You'll find it in all of our episodes on on all your favorite platforms and at our website, personalpowercommongood.com. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you're finding value here and we ask you help us spread the word about our podcasts. Listeners can find us on all the streaming outlets and like Stacy said, at our website where you'll find the weekly worksheets too. I'm Stacy Randall Shaheen. And I'm Diane Amelia Reed. We appreciate you. And we look forward to our ongoing and ever-evolving conversation on personal power for the common good. Change your life, change the world.